98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The Confederation of Trade Unions calls for a citywide strike over the government's extradition bill. Former ex-co-convener Ronald Arcully defends the way the police handled Wednesday's protests and anger in New Zealand as the man accused of the March terror attacks pleads not guilty. The Confederation of Trade Unions has called for a citywide strike on Monday to protest against the government's contentious extradition bill. The pro-democracy group is advising workers to write to their employers to notify them of the planned action. The group's chairwoman, Carol Ng, says she hopes employees, employers will let staff take time off on the day to join an anti-extradition bill rally organised by the Civil Human Rights Front. This time is a historical situation between the Hong Kong society that align the employers and the employees to action together, fight against this extradition law. So I strongly appealing to all the employers, do not give any hard time or disadvantages towards any employees who participants. Meanwhile, Executive Council convener Bernard Chan says it's now impossible for LegCo to debate the extradition bill and the government has to reconsider its stance to avoid further confrontations. Meetings on the bill have already been abandoned twice following the clashes between protesters and police on Wednesday. Mr Chan said he underestimated opposition to the proposed law changes from the business sector. Former ex-co, former ex-co convener Ronald Arcoli says he doesn't think police used excessive force to quell the protests in Admiralty on Wednesday. Many people have said police attacked crowds who were doing nothing and footage online showed officers pumping pepper spray at, at short range at, on people. Mr Cully also thinks the decision to amend the laws is correct but poorly executed given the widespread misunderstanding of the bill in society. When you are dealing with a crowd of 10,000 to 50,000 and you are 2,000 or 5,000 police officers with very tight control regarding how you handle crowds, Part of the crowd, quite a small portion relative to the size of the crowd, occasionally got pretty violent and were, you know, chasing the police. And the police were more on the defensive and occasionally on the offensive when the crowd got near the Legislative Council building particularly and they wanted to break in. So it's probably not quite fair to say that they use excessive force. Meanwhile, a group of former officials and lawmakers have urged current ministers to advise the chief executive to withdraw the extradition bill and says the ministers should quit if Carrie Lam ignores them. The appeal came from 22 veteran officials, including a former security chief, Peter Lai, and former LegCo president, Andrew Wong. Several dozen pro-government supporters have protested outside the U.S. consulate in Central, accusing the United States of inciting the mass protests against the extradition bill. Three groups, including the Federation of Hong Kong Kowloon New Territories Hawker Associations, the Hong Kong Southern District Alliance and Real Hong Kongers Views, asked the U.S. to stay out of Hong Kong's internal affairs. They believe foreign powers worked with local dissidents to incite public anger to use it as a bargaining chip in the Sino-U.S. trade war. The U.S. Consulate General for Hong Kong and Macau says diplomat Hanscom Smith will succeed Kurt Tong as a new U.S. Consul General to the two SARs from next month. The appointment was made by the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Mr. Smith is an experienced Foreign Service official, most recently acting as Deputy Assistant Secretary of State responsible for China affairs. An Australian man accused of carrying out the terror attacks against mosques in Christchurch in New Zealand has pleaded not guilty to all 92 charges against him. 51 people were killed in the shootings in March. Here's the BBC's Harold Griffiths. 
Brenton Tarrant's lawyer entered a series of pleas on his behalf, answering not guilty to 51 counts of murder, 40 counts of attempted murder and one count of engaging in an act of terror. It's the first time the charge has been used in New Zealand's history. The 28-year-old is being held in isolation at a high-security wing of an Auckland prison. Wearing a grey sweatshirt, he appeared via a video link and will remain in custody ahead of his trial, which is due to take place in May next year. Some of the survivors of the shootings and relatives of the victims were in court. A few gasped and became tearful as the not guilty pleas were entered. The United States has blamed Iran for attacks on two tankers in the Gulf of Oman, a strategically important shipping route for oil exports. Speaking at a news conference in New York, the acting U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Jonathan Cohen, said all evidence pointed to Iran. It's unacceptable for any party to attack commercial shipping. The United States assesses that Iran is responsible for these attacks. No proxy group in the area has the resources or skill to act with this level of sophistication. Iran, however, has the weapons, the expertise, and the requisite intelligence information to pull this off. And Iran is doing just what it promised. Tehran declared on April 22nd that it would interrupt the flow of oil through the Straits of Hormuz. Meanwhile, the Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabakov has warned the international community not to use the tanker attack to further escalate tensions with Iran. We have recently witnessed an escalation in a campaign of political, psychological and military pressure on Iran. We wouldn't want the events that have just happened, which are tragic and shook the world oil market, to be used speculatively to further aggravate the situation in an anti-Iranian sense. President Trump's press secretary and spokeswoman Sarah Huckabee Sanders is to leave her job at the end of the month. Announcing her departure on Twitter, Mr Trump said she had done an incredible job. She said she would continue to be a staunch supporter of Mr Trump. I'm going to continue to uh, be one of the most uh, outspoken and loyal supporters of the president and his agenda. And I know he's going to have an incredible six more years and get a whole lot more done, like what we're here to celebrate today. And uh, I don't want to take away from that. So I certainly want to get back to the tremendous thing that the people behind me have done. And thank you so much, Mr. President. It's truly an honor. Mr. Trump paid tribute to Ms. Sanders. She is a special person, a very, very uh, fine woman. She has been so great. She has such heart. She's strong, but with great, great heart. And I want to thank you for an outstanding job. She's a warrior. A U.S. government oversight agency has said that a White House aide, Kellyanne Conway, should be fired for engaging in banned political activities while in office. The Independent Office of Special Counsel said that Mrs Conway, a federal employee, had repeatedly violated legislation using her official authority to influence campaign politics while on the job. The White House dismissed the advice as deeply flawed. A three-year-old boy suffering from Ebola has been sent back to the Democratic Republic of Congo by the Ugandan authorities along with his family. His brother and grandmother became Uganda's first victims of the disease after they fled an isolation unit in eastern Congo and crossed the border with their relatives. Later tonight, the World Health Organization will decide whether the outbreak should be deemed a global health emergency. Dr Jeremy Farah from the London-based medical charity The Wellcome Trust says the situation is worrying. 
the amount of migration going on in this part of the world, both driven by fears of Ebola, but also fears of the conflict and violence that's going on in North Kivu, means we could have expected people to move and travel. And, and Uganda is one issue, and Uganda's public health system is very, very strong. But there's Burundi and there's Rwanda and there's South Sudan quite close by who have very fragile systems. So uh, extension into any of those countries is a real fear. Pope Francis has warned his diplomats not to criticise him behind his back. He was speaking after an archbishop repeated allegations that the Pope helped a former cardinal who'd been accused of sexual abuse. Here's the BBC's John McManus. On Monday, retired Archbishop Carlo Vigano's latest attack on the Pope was revealed in a series of emails to the Washington Post. He accused the head of the Catholic Church of blatantly lying when he denied any knowledge of sexual abuse allegations against the former American cleric, Theodore McCarrick. Mr McCarrick has since been defrocked by Pope Francis, but Archbishop Vigano maintains that the Pope had initially helped him. Now, Francis has told a gathering of over 100 Vatican diplomats that they should not criticise him behind his back engaging gossip or join groups hostile to him or the church. A British judge has given the Kremlin-backed international television channel RT permission to challenge a ruling against it by Britain's broadcasting watchdog Ofcom. The case will go to the High Court in London. Ofcom said RT's reports about the poisoning of the former Russian spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia in Britain in April last year breached impartiality rules. RT said viewers would have heard the British account numerous times and would expect a counter-narrative. The son of two Argentine opposition activists killed by Secret Service agents has been reunited with his biological family after more than 40 years. He was identified after carrying out DNA tests. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha. Javier Darru Mihauchuk was only four months old when his father and his pregnant mother were taken to a notorious torture centre in Buenos Aires. They've not been seen alive since. He was adopted by a family who didn't know his background. He decided a few years ago to find his biological parents and sought help from the Argentine human rights organization, the Grandmothers of the Plaza de Mayo. At a press conference at the group's headquarters, Mr. Daru thanked his uncle Roberto Mihalchuk, who worked hard for more than 40 years to find him again. Third-tier English football club Blackpool FC says a hedge fund manager with links to Hong Kong has bought the club. Robert Kemp has more. In a statement, Blackpool said Simon Sadler had bought just over 96% of the Lancashire club. He said Sadler had also bought the stadium, the training ground and Blackpool Football Club Hotel Limited. The League One club said the transaction had been completed on June the 13th, following approval from the English Football League. Sadler, a lifelong fan, was born and brought up in Blackpool. In 2007, he set up Saganti Capital Management in Hong Kong, where he is its chief investment officer. To finance now and currencies, the US dollar is trading at 108.33 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 92 cents. A short while ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 27,153. That's 141 points down on the previous close. Turnover for the morning session was $36.4 billion. Sport now and Canada has made history, winning their first NBA championship. Here's Joanna Wong. 
It was the first NBA Finals for the Toronto Raptors, and they nailed it with a 114 to 110 win over the Golden State Warriors in Game Six to bring home the championship title. The Raptors' 4-2 series victory denied the Warriors what would have been a third straight championship. Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam had 26 points apiece for the Raptors. Fred VanVleet and Kawhi Leonard each had 22 for Toronto. Klay Thompson scored 30 for Golden State, but left with a knee injury. Andre Iguodala scored. 22 points and Steph Curry had 21 for the Warriors and Golden State bid a sad farewell to Oracle Arena. Golf next, Justin Rose birdied the last three holes to seize a one-shot lead in the first round of the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, where he matched Tiger Woods' 2000 record with a six under 65. Four other players, including American Ricky Fowler, were on five under par as Pebble Beach showed his soft side. Tiger Woods scrambled all day and had 11 one putts on route to a 70. And Brooks Kepka, trying to become the second golfer to win three straight U.S. Open titles, made par after teeing off onto the cart path on number 18 to close out at 69. On to football, Australia have handed Brazil their first World Cup group stage defeat in 24 years. The Matildas battled back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 in Montpellier. Marta put Brazil ahead with a penalty that was her 16th World Cup goal of her career, making her the joint highest scorer in World Cup history. Men's and women's combined. Christiane put Brazil two goals ahead with her fourth of the tournament. But Australia staged a dramatic comeback after the break. Here's the BBC's Mas Faruqi. Brazil haven't conceded in a World Cup group game before this match in 16 hours. But this isn't the same Brazil team of old. First, they let Caitlin Ford in to pull one back just before half time. Then Chloe Lagazade blew drew Australia level in the second half. And then VAR, as we say, had its part to play as well. Ultimately, the officials decided that Sam Kerr's run from an offside position wasn't enough of a distraction at the back to Brazil to rule out an own goal from Monica. That goal, in the end, proving decisive. So Australia with the comeback, yes. But Brazil somewhat let them back into this game in the second half. Three-two, it finished. The Australian captain Sam Kerr was delighted with the way her team responded after losing their opening match and going down two-nil in this one. I'm so proud of the girls. We knew we were in it、um, at halftime, and you know there was a lot of critics talking about us, but we're back. We were so disappointed after the first game, and Brazil are a top ten team. So,、um, look, the, the reaction from the girls at halftime. I love these girls, and, and we're back in it. There has been more frustration for fans at the Cricket World Cup in England after India's match against New Zealand had to be abandoned without a ball being bowled. Both teams were hoping to extend their 100% winning record, but rain at Trembridge prevented any play at all. It's the fourth match of the tournament to be rained off. The previous highest number of abandoned games at a World Cup was two, and that's your look at sport. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Confederation of Trade Unions calls for a citywide strike over the government's extradition bill. Former ex-co convener Ronald Cully defends the way the police handled Wednesday's protest, and this anger in New Zealand as the man accused of the March terror attacks pleads not guilty. The news from RTHK. You know it only takes a stone to cast a brick here. Oh yeah. With your cool SUV licking hot CFCs, punching holes in the sky, gonna fry if we don't change it. 
to rearrange it. Hear what I'm telling you, Sam makes it hurt. It's a little bit of irritation. You can change my world. You know you got the inclination. God's got in him. Slapping us around the face now. 'Cause it takes a man to turn the other cheek. Living in a church house, penthouse, and you know you won't need the plastic seat to fake it up. Oh yeah. Jesus on the dash 'cause he needed the cash, gonna drive you straight to heaven in a pink Cadillac. Believe it. I guess you need it. Hear what I'm telling you. 